Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hipfire Podcast. This is the 25th episode, and today we'll be talking about recapping the kickoff classic that we saw this past weekend. Just kind of giving our overall thoughts and some of the players that look good. We're not going to break down each match individually because they're preseason matches. They don't hold that much weight, but we still saw some pretty cool stuff. And obviously, also this past weekend, we saw the group draw happen. So we're going to break down the groups a little bit and give our input in which group we think is is heavier. Uh, hint, it's Group B. And then we'll also talk about uh, the schedule that got announced as well. And then we'll wrap up with a little bit of AM news with the Challengers Cup upcoming and some more info for the Elite Series. Uh, but yeah, to start it off, why don't we talk about the Kickoff Classic? So yeah, so what was the what was your biggest takeaway or, or kind of first impressions from the game? Uh, so just before we get into the Kickoff Classic, I just want to... But you guys that are listening early on that we have a Spotify account now. Oh, yes. True. So if you prefer to listen to that platform, um, you can go check it out there. Uh, so we can accommodate for all um, all types of listening. In addition, uh, we are currently on 93 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, we really do appreciate all the support on both that and our Twitter. Um, if we get to 100 subs, uh, you know, uh, that'd be pretty cool. So um, if you do enjoy the content we're creating, you know, feel free to like and subscribe. And um, But yeah. Starting with the kickoff classic, obviously this weekend, um, uh, you know, it was very entertaining. It was nice to see the teams go up against one another um, in this for a format, as opposed to just watching them on Scump stream. Um, I think the people that impressed me in particular, obviously the rookies, uh, as we saw, Fire and Neptune were very impressive. Um, it, I wasn't aware that Fire was being was going to be the flex on Paris, so that was something that really intrigued me, and he looked very comfortable. Uh, him and Aqua both on that roster really shined through and, and were key um, in their win against the uh, London Royal Ravens, um, <clears throat> which wasn't a really easy series for them. I mean, the first hard point they ended up taking pretty comfortably. Uh, you know, Aqua dropped 33, uh, Fire went dropped 22. They both went positive. They ended up losing the SND and in control, but you know, the hard points were where they reigned through again, Fire 31 and 26. Aqua 29-23. I think Aqua was the only player that weekend, or one of the few, or the first at least, uh, to have hit 100 kills in a series, um, which is pretty impressive. I think it shows that, you know, maybe he's he's back to that form that that he we once saw him, you know, during the jetpack call duties. Um, you know, he he did he had an up and down year uh, last year. Um, I think I think individually he didn't perform that poorly, but. I mean, given the team he was on, you weren't going to expect much from that roster. So with this team, I, I'd expect more, and he definitely proved it. But what did you see, Seth? Well, so, you know, Yasser and I have been so caught up in the AM scene. I haven't watched a lot of scrims, to be honest. So I was going into this kickoff kind of dry, and I generally knew, you know, which teams were rumored to be better than other teams and stuff like that. But uh, one of the kind of preconceptions that I had, not based off of scrims, just based off of, how well I know the guy is uh, for Illy. I really thought this game felt good for him and the 4v4 would suit him better, especially in SD. And uh, well, I was right. <laughs> I mean, anybody that had any doubts about Illy were kind of silly because he's, I mean, he's ridiculously good and he pulled off the first 1v3 of the year. Uh, so, I mean, he also looked great in the control as well. And Hardpoint Shotzi really stands out, but that's not going to change. But Illy was like definitely serviceable. So uh, I think we're going to keep seeing. I know, I know New York was, you know, playing with the substitute player and yada, 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 but like 1v3s are still impressive regardless in search. And I think that's the thing we'll see all year, not just from Illy. I think we'll see a lot more 1vxs in general, uh, just because it's it's five it's 4v4 versus 5v5. So 
it's just something about that makes it seem like you can clutch more. It doesn't seem as unreasonable anymore. Um, and so, yeah, seeing Ilya pull off the 1v3 clutch was not really a surprise, but it was also just like nice to see. Uh, I expect him to have a really good year this year, um, maybe even like MVP conversation kind of year. So to see him yeah. start out so well was, was pretty cool. And then also Neptune, the other main major rookie that we saw this weekend play, um, I was surprised when he got benched for or when Havoc got benched for Neptune. To be honest, uh, I'm a huge Havoc fan. I think he provides a lot for a team in S and D, and he's a good entry sub as well. So I, it was kind of shock for me, especially because I heard that Florida was was doing pretty well at the beginning of the year. I know they kind of fell off in scrims, but it was still a surprise. But he Neptune, when he saw him play, you could tell like they made the right decision. I mean, maybe he should have been slacked instead, but. Regardless, they made a good decision in starting him at the very least because he is quite talented. There's a couple of moments where he would get like a two piece here, a three piece there, and it was just like instincts. Like he has a good instincts and he has the the movement. And obviously, you know, uh, on checkmate, he was there's that famous clip of him just standing on a plane, like off the wing. Um, so yeah, I don't know if he's like what it is about these Halo guys, but they'll always find like unintended sight lines. Um, but he does look very good. And I'm excited to see him play. And the, th- the other guy that really impressed me was Bance. Uh, I know that we talked a little bit about Insight before being the sub uh, for Toronto and how we'd expect Insight maybe to replace Methods if Methods doesn't perform well enough or something like that. But pre- preseason, I actually thought that Insight could be a replacement for Bance because Insight has ran flex in the past, um, like early singularity days last year. And he's also a pretty good in-game leader. So I thought if you know if Vance wasn't performing, Insight would be a good replacement. But it looks like that's not needed because Vance was really, really good and respawns dropping like two thirty bombs. And mm-hmm. uh, I know the S and Ds weren't great out of Vance, but no. Vance historically has been a good S and D player. It was kind of the reverse problem last year where Vance would play well in S and D but not really keep up in the respawn. So to see him starting out so hot in the respawn is a good sign because I think the S and D will be fine for Vance. He's he's a seasoned vet; he'll be fine in that game mode. Uh, once they get more reps on it and everything, so, uh, but yeah, to, to see him slaying was a really good sign because, you know, when he's hitting that top form that we know Bans can hit, uh, it's scary because we're going to get good performances out of Kami and Kleenex for sure. And Zinni had a bit of a rough overall weekend, but uh, playing against Minnesota's ARs is not easy, and I expect Zinni to get better as well. Just, um, just yes, we yeah, wouldn't interject ahead. about um the Bans. Just one more thing, um. From what I could tell coming into the kickoff series, he was actually going to be the second sub. From what I saw on oh, scrims, okay. it was Cammy that was running flex. So when we saw him like with the XM4 at times, I think he still was the second sub for the most part, but we saw him with the XM4, and we saw him fry. So maybe that might be a, a sight of, or an indication of what's to come, where he might be the flex going forward. But I agree with your sentiment that, you know, Camming clinics, you know they're gonna fry. You can get a guy like Bance and, and Zinni to like just not necessarily be such a detriment to the team. And not to say that Methods was this weekend. He he did have a bad weekend, but if they can sort of keep up, then you're gonna see them take series. I mean, they only lost the S and D's six four, six five. They could have easily taken that series. The only game mode they looked horrible in was control. So not too but also, I was going to add, like, also losing six four, six five to Minnesota S and D is not bad at all. Like the Minnesota's a great S and D team yeah. as well. One hundred percent. And the last player uh, you, you want to highlight was obviously Dashi, and um, rightfully so. Obviously, I think we both had our um, reservations about this roster going into the season whether Dashi was going to be the right fit. Um, just given the fact that it looked like 
when um, guys like Arstis left and, and Pristine left. It was a big question. And even the way they lost last year is like maybe they wanted to focus on someone that um, I can't even remember what the exact words were, but someone maybe that was going to help them in the in-game leader department, help them with their fundamentals. Um, someone that, you know, a guy like Dashi, um, maybe maybe we're we're too harsh on him in terms of uh, the way he plays and how he's really cracked out. And obviously he's an incredible S&D player. Um, but I think I think that was something that I missed on for sure. And um, as you can tell, you know, very dominant weekend, especially at a dashy. Uh, you had 23 in the hard point. You went 6-6 six and six in S&D. And then again, 20-16. I mean, the whole team really looked unstoppable throughout that entire series against 100 Thieves. And um, with regards to the in-game leader, I think Envoy... Um, has done a good job along with the entire team really of uh, playing fundamentally correct and learning the game um, even without a guy like center who i believe was sick for a while so um, big props off to them they seem to be look like quite the force um, i'm very curious to see how they'll fare against a team like dallas obviously they won't play them which we'll get to later on but or like teams like atlanta later on but um very very positive signs so far yeah, just one more, more thought on Dashi there. Uh, the yeah. reason why I wanted to highlight him is because uh, when you talk about like an off-season move, right, and you talk about dropping Arcides, I guess, I'm pursuing, I guess, Twins, right? The Twins for a player, that player better play well. Like, you're getting rid of Alec, who's, you know, top AR for, for another player. So whoever steps into that role has got to be, like, high caliber. And there's no question about Dashi's, like, uh, skill. Like, we know Dashi's a top-quality skill player. That wasn't really the, the problem for us when we talked about this roster preseason. For me, it was more, is it going to be motivated consistently to, to play at a high level? Is it going to be like keeping up with the comms? And it also, is it going to work with formal and, and two ARs? But so far, it looks great, and he looks comfortable. And he also kind of has a license to do not really whatever he wants, but he has a license to, to, to use his skill to his full potential, where I feel like on other teams, he didn't really have that. Like when you play with, with the, last, the team he played with last year, Optic, it was a bit clunky with roles and it didn't seem like he really had, you know, full autonomy to kind of operate on the map like he wants to. Uh, but with this team, it kind of feels like he does. And I think it's a trust thing. I think that, you know, these teammates trust Ashley to make the right play. They play with them before and they know it works versus the last year where maybe they didn't trust him as much and they wanted them to play him more as a team. I feel like if you trust Ashley to, to be Dashi, and the best part about Dashi is that the fact that he can roam and he can pick up kills wherever he, he goes, basically, because he's that good of a slayer. So um, I'm sure they have structure in place. I'm just saying, like, you know, giving yeah. him, you know, confidence in him and freedom in him is, is a good thing. 100%. No, 100% agree. But, um, yeah, no, it was, it was a great weekend. Um, I think we're both looking forward to um, how the regular season will look. And talking about the regular season, uh, we got our groups. Um, yep. So when we when these groups were first announced, or at least the, they showed the video, um, there are a couple of things that were perplexing um, or confusing. Uh, to me personally, obviously these these picks seem to be done before any of the qualifier matches took place. And with that being said, I don't think these qualifier matches should be the end all be all. They shouldn't have they shouldn't necessarily influence um, how this should have how the draft or of groups should have gone necessarily. Um, but you know, something's of note. Um, obviously, Dallas uh, picks optic. That was no surprise. That was what everyone expected. And then FaZe picked LA Thieves again. Not not too surprising there. That's kind of what everyone expected. Uh, and then we expected Florida and Minnesota for the most part to go next. Um, 
However, uh, I wouldn't have. I didn't expect Florida to be um, uh, the one that the, the uh, or rather, let me let me back up. Optic was the one that picked after um, Atlanta, and they picked Minnesota. Hex says uh, formal one between one of the two, and um, he picked Minnesota, which I disagree with. I think Florida would have been the better roster even before the the phase. Um, phase game where Florida beat them. I still think Florida where it's a stronger team overall, even with Neptune. Um, but either or they pick Minnesota. And the most confusing part, if you actually go back in the broadcast, um, you hear J Cap say, okay, the next team we're gonna pick to be in the other group is Awake, because we want to see Wake go up against Crimsix and everyone laughs. And then I didn't catch this, but so Florida he said he wanted Florida to play against Crimsix, but he sent them to the other group. He's not going to be able to play against Crim Six. So I don't, I don't know what was the point of that. You said I want Wake to play Crim Six, and then you sent him to the group where he can't play Crim Six. I, I don't, I don't know what Jcap was thinking, or if that was taken out of context. But yeah, that, uh, that's how the first couple picks. But what did you make of the rest of the picks, Seth? I well, I think it's it's tough because New York, it's tough without Hydra without the roster they wanted. So I'm not like so surprised they fell a little bit. I think teams didn't really know what to expect from them, but I don't know about that. Like I think that well, okay, Group B is obviously stacked, but I think it's stacked because of the, the bottom end. Like I almost feel like New York is arguably comp- more competitive and better than some of the teams at the bottom of Group B. Um, so in that respect, I think the groups are you know Group A gets a little bit of beef there. But the problem I have is with is with London and, and Surge, mm-hmm. because I think Paris and Ultra are better than London and Surge. So you're adding like two extra teams on a Group B that are better than two on Group A. So it kind of just flips it up. I would have rather had seen, you know, you flip London and LAG. I'd have been fine with that. Um, and then at the at the bottom end, you can't really do much because you're gonna have just, like two bottom teams. It's gonna happen. Uh, I do think it's a little bit weird though that Seattle got picked last. I just it's they're good they're good players. Like they may not be showing it right now in scrims. I guess that's what they're going off of, so fair to play for play. But these guys are good, talented players. Uh I don't know who I would have picked last, to be fair, but a team that formed what like a month ago gets picked before a team that's been there from the start, one of the first teams announced. Like Paris gets picked before Surge. It's just a little it's a little curious. Um and oh. uh but that's my I was gonna my interject team. there. I, I do understand why Seattle's picked last, actually. Um I think I think a lot of it has to do with scrims. I mean, from what we're seeing in the scene is that there are pro teams that are actively looking for scrims outside of Seattle. Like they're not gonna scrim Seattle because Seattle's just not good practice for them, uh, from what I understand. Or but do, they but just do don't want to teach that, Seattle. But I, I know you I know what you're saying, but do you not think that like these players on Seattle are gonna get better? Like I don't think that they're Current form is indicative of the whole year. Like I think these guys will figure yeah, it out. But, like, they're good players. But like, you realize these these groups are only going to be for the next three weeks. That's a good point. Actually, that's a really good point. Right. You're right. And yeah. so, like, you know that they're like they can get better, but I don't think they're going to get so better from playing amateur teams to the point where they're going to be able to, you know, contend against Dallas or yeah, LA but, or Minnesota. But how does London get picked that high without a fourth? <laughs> like, yeah, Lon- London it was a bit of a curveball from a tour. I wasn't expecting that. I would have expected him to say New York, Ultra, or Paris, quite frankly, because yeah. I think those three teams uh, are ahead. Uh, I do happen to know who uh, London's uh, new pickup, because they oh. will be picking up someone. Um, 
I can't say on podcast. Oh, boo. <laughs> but I mean, if you look out there, you can pretty much guess who it is. No, I'm pretty um, sure I've got to who it I is. Think, I think most people can guess who it's going to be. Um, which is which is interesting. I mean, obviously, again, that'll be a whole different scenario because they have to scrum with someone they haven't played with before. And they're right. interesting. Uh, so that's a struggle in itself. Um, so a bit confusing. Again, Group B is going to be the most difficult. And just to give an idea of how this plays into um, the major, which will will come up. So the first the first three seeds they make it into winners. So that's how it works. The first in each group gets a first round buy. And then second seed of Group B plays third seed of Group A and vice versa. So in other words, you know, a team like in Group B, essentially, if you're like if you're a team like Ultra Paris, you're going to have to beat out Florida Optic or Face for that top three spot. Otherwise, you're starting in losers at the major, the first major. And that's pretty depressing. That's why like having like these groups are so important. Like for Group A, like if I'm a team like New York or like London, like that third spot isn't out of reach. Like it's not like impossible for them to beat a team like Minnesota and make it there. So um, I think it just shows that how important these groups are, especially for those uh, teams that are sort of on the cusp. Um, I think it'll be very interesting. Um, But yeah, that's just uh, overall thoughts on the groups. I'm really curious to see how they play out. Well, I'm just going to add also, like, this is a good opportunity for Seattle. Like, they got disrespected. They got picked last, right? That sucks. But also, in your group, you have London without a, you know, I guess they have the fourth now, but in theory, right? Like, a, a new player they get to figure things out with. And the same thing goes for New York. You have, like, two guys who didn't, who wasn't supposed to be on the roster, and they're going to be figuring things out as well. So, if you're Seattle, like, it's actually, a, oh, assuming you can get scrims with competitive teams, um, it's a really good opportunity to try to sneak a third spot. You know, and Minnesota's a tough team to beat, and the top two I don't think you're touching. But if you can upset Minnesota and try to knock off the other ones, it's a really good opportunity. And then for Group B, like this is a huge. I think for Ultra, this is a really good way to start the season off. Uh, I think that it'll kind of establish, you know, what they need to improve on it and where they are competitively. Because I think a lot of people have a lot of question marks for Ultra uh, because they know that they're competitive, but they aren't necessarily the top tier of teams. So I actually think we'll get a pretty good idea, even in the stages, just how good, like, kind of like Minnesota and Ultra are, the kind of the teams that we expect to be competitive, but we don't necessarily have at the top. That's kind of my takeaway from the groups. Yeah. Uh, one last thing about Seattle. Um, it turns out they actually are, they played Florida today, and they're playing pretty go. well. So there is something to note. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree that uh, Ultra, I mean, on one hand, it's, it's good because look at good practice against these top teams in a way. But at the same time, it's like... You start off slowly in these majors. I wonder how it's going to impact you later on yeah, when it fair. comes down to champs. But yeah, that, that just wraps up our thoughts on the stage one groups. And uh, before we go, we're going to you know recap um, or rather give our thoughts on this upcoming uh, Challengers Cup, which is, is going to be a pretty pivotal one, um, especially in the North American scene, as what we uh, are coming to see is that, or what we expect is that we have Cup 5 this weekend, and then... From my understanding, uh, week one of the Elite Series qualifiers will take place February 6th um, So for season one. So that's the weekend after. So we have Cup 5 this weekend. Next weekend is going to be the Elite Series qualifier. And then uh, a couple days after the, the qualifier is when season one of the Elite Series begins, uh, February 9th. So, you know, a lot of Call of Duty for a lot of these teams in very quick succession. And we've seen a lot of team changes, uh, especially in North America. We saw, um, I mean, Sib and uh, I believe it was Jimbo split off with Hollow and Cells. 
uh, Phantom and Rex found two of their own players. I can't remember the players off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, you see that. You saw higher going through roster changes. A lot of teams in NA going through roster changes right now as people scramble to find the teams that they want to compete with in the late series. I mean, hell, I mean, even Aches is competing with, I think he was, was competing with Haggy. I don't know if that's the case anymore. It sounds like he's competing with John uh, and Mox in Lacefield, uh, which is, again, nice to see John back in the scene. I'm very curious to see how he um, progresses. Obviously, it doesn't look like he's been playing the game too long, but with that being said, it looks like he's picked it up pretty quickly. Yeah, so. it's, it's John, bro. It's John. <laughs> yeah, like, you, you know he's going to be good. I'm very curious to see um, how quickly he'll progress. Because if he does, like, there's no chance that a team's not going to say, hey, like, let's just get John as a sub. Like, why wouldn't we, realistically? Um, so very curious to see how that goes. Um, again, I, I expect Wester to win this next cup, without a doubt. Uh, maybe the Subliners Academy or BBG or Triumph might be able to contest them. But I don't see it again. Like, you're, we've gone through another roster mania again. And it's like, what did you expect? Like, you're not, you can't expect to do better. Um, as Western continues to improve. Um, so that's my thoughts on the scene. But what do you think, Seth? Yeah, also just for Western, right? Obviously, uh, Paul got offered a spot. Uh, I'm pretty sure yep, it was London. Sure. But uh, it was, he, yeah. turned, he turned it down and wants to stick with the team. And I completely understand where he's coming from because like yeah. some people were saying, like, oh, you don't want the contract, yada, yada, yada. He, it's not a permanent thing. He wouldn't be on London forever. And for him, they're winning right now. Like, why would you mess up the chemistry, mess up the flow? At the top of the scene, the AMC right now, it's I think it's a good decision to make personally. Um, yeah, and also, no, just, just to interject on that point, um, I don't know if you're gonna continue on Paul or not. No, I was gonna, it's fine, you can go. Yeah, no, there's one last thing on Paul. Um, uh, yeah, like, yeah, 100%, you're right. Like, it was supposedly it was gonna be a 14 day contract, so yeah. he wasn't gonna be guaranteed the 50,000 that you get as being a sub. Second, you have no idea when Zero is going to come back, and when he does, he will take your spot, so he could, you know that's such a short like time like window of time to show what you're capable of and even if you're a like show that you're talented you're not going to be guaranteed that sub spot or um that permanent like starting spot because there's going to come back anyways and the worst part about it is um someone would come replace him on wester and as he, paul mentioned whoever wester picked up they were not going to end up dropping anyways so he's not guaranteed his spot on wester when he comes back so yeah a lot of risk in that sense yeah, like if Weston went out and picked up Glow Frosty and then he ended up frying, like he managed to stuck with yeah. them anyways. So yeah, yeah, I understand that. Yep. Um, but uh, but that being said, though, like there is something to be playing for, especially if you're North in North America. We talked a lot about how Europe and APAC it's hard because of visas and and whatnot. But for NA, there's still a lot to play for in the MC. You're still playing for a sub spot technically, but you're also just playing for for next season. If there's an expansion because I mean, if they keep doing this all year. And as an expansion team comes in, there's got to be some teams that are like, you know what, it's just screw it, we'll do it. We'll just pick up the, all four of them and see if they can do it again next year. Um, but um, for EU, uh, there's a couple of roster moves here and there. Uh, I know one of the Spanish teams went for Sukari and Method Sick decided to to focus on streaming, which for him is a great idea. He gets tons of stream uh, viewers. Uh, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, regardless, I think the EU scene is less wild with roster mania, but there's still a little yeah. bit. Um, and as long as you know those those top four teams, hopefully, can get more ironed out because you know there's. I'm excited for the elite series. I want to see these top teams play play each other. And there's not. I don't think this one matters as much for you, just because we're getting a pretty good idea of who's going to be in that elite series. And versus mm -hmm. NA, where it's like it's still a complete you know crapshoot. 
Um, so my, my, my kind of last thoughts to, to wrap up that kind of uh, the cups is, you know, there's mostly for NA. There's a lot of new teams, um, and there's going to be because of that. There's going to be a lot of seeding issues. We're going to see a lot of good teams mm-hmm. play each other early because the pro points got all messed up because everyone decided to hop teams again. Um, yep. And so we're going to see really good teams finish top 64, top 32. I mean, it's going to happen. Uh, but just uh, just to focus on the Elite Series, I think it's it's a good thing because of that. Like The Elite Series is, is crucial and important because in these cups, people keep finishing top 32 and top 64. That shouldn't really be finishing there because of seeding. So the Elite Series provides an opportunity for these teams to qualify for it and not have to play a really good opponent for top 64. Right, This way, you're playing good opponents uh, like for top 12, basically, right? So um, I think it's a really good thing that the scene is doing and, and it's good for the CDL to do that because it's just, it sucks for the guys that don't make it out of top 32 or don't make it to top eight and don't make it to, to Sunday because they're yeah. not going to get viewed on like uh, I hold shift stream, which is basically the only chance you get to get some viewership because the CDL yeah. won't stream stuff. Yeah, um, so much, big ups yeah. to Elite Series. No, 100%. I'm very excited. Like you said, EUC in 100% um, should be probably more entertaining than NA in the sense that you could, there's like a serious like chance that like five or six of these teams could easily win a Elite Series major, considering how talented and deep that scene is compared to years past. Um, I think one interesting thing to note about the EU scene, um, obviously a bit of drama was Chain. Um, oh, right. He had left his team, went to Singularity. For a couple of days, what it sounded like, um, I know Chains had um, issues with the guys on Singularity in the past. Um, it sounded like those issues hadn't been resolved before he joined. It was just a matter of Singularity had, you know, a couple, like I think three straight cups where they didn't perform. They didn't even get the top four, which is unacceptable for them. So they dropped the chain, picked up chain, tried that for two days, and they dropped chain as a result uh, of how their scrims were going, I suppose, and re picked up Detain. And you saw Shane on Twitter, um, jokingly or not, post a video about showing or telling people um, singularities, breakoffs or their strats, if you DM'd him or whatnot, which, like, I understand his frustration. Like, that situation sucks. I, I would have been pissed, too, if Singularity picked me up. And the thing is, he's not going back to his team with Whalers. That team has picked up Henry and has looked fantastic ever since. I believe they were smoking uh, Team Warren scrims. I watched a couple of them, and they looked very dominant um so very curious to see how the team will play um but yeah chain's not going back to that team i don't know where chain's gonna end up and i understand his frustration he left his a good thing that he had it was his team plays top four went to singularity and now he's dropped um but you know you can't act like that and uh so i think he'll he'll understand that um but yeah a little, little bit of drama in the euc and usually we're used to seeing an a but uh be very curious to see if house tarth will be able to re- repeat um, how good will Joe and Lenny's team do, and where will uh, the rest of them, you know, uh, show up in the standings? But yeah, this this cup should be uh, very entertaining on either side of the pond. Yeah, and that kind of wraps up our thoughts for this podcast. And um, so, yeah, looking forward to the CDL matches starting on the 11th, right? Yep, the 11th. Yeah, CDL matches starting the 11th. We got interesting stuff coming up this weekend, and then Fleet Series coming up after that. So it's a lot of Call of Duty to be watched and a lot of Call of Duty to be enjoyed. And um, you know what? What a good title. This is a fun year. It's, I, mm-hmm. Personally, I think it's a great meta. Hopefully, smokes come back soon. But we have a good meta. We have yeah. a good game. 
a lot of action coming up. There's a lot to be hyped about. So, you know, stay tuned. And uh, we're going to be trying to do some small videos too in the future. Some like little, uh, you know, trash talk here and there, maybe some clips and highlight them. So let us know if you want to see, you know, some smaller videos and kind of smaller content in the future and, yeah. and what that is because we're, we're still kind of brainstorming different ideas right now. Yeah, that, that should sum up our episode of the podcast. Always leave a like, subscribe, comment what you want us to do next, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Yep, see you guys. See you.